Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Queers and Allies podcast. We are the Q&A Club at College of Western Idaho. My name is William Young, president of the Queers and Allies, and I will be your host today. I'm also here with two other guests. Can you introduce yourselves for us? My name is Riley Thacker. Um, I'm just a member, but I just started this year, so hopefully that gets better. Um, Yeah, my pronouns are they, them, by the way. Hi, I'm Sydney Rich. I'm hoping to be a bit of a co-star, but we'll see how that works out. My pronouns are also they, them. Hell yeah. So today for our podcast, we're going to focus on two major topics. The first half of our podcast today will be dedicated to LGBT history since it is the last day of LGBT history month. Also, happy Halloween. And Sam Hayden for those who are pagan. Hell yeah. Getting our spoops on today. And our second half of our program today will be dedicated to asexuality awareness since last week was asexuality awareness week. So we've got a lot of good content today. To start us off here, we're going to do the LGBT history segment, and this is going to feature some information by Sydney. (coughs) Oh my, that was a clear. Okay, Sydney, can you start us off? Yeah, I can start us off. I'm going to be starting with the 1920s okay. when we had our first uh, like gay rights group which was made by Henry Gerber I just I can't Henry say that name without thinking about the food the, baby, the babies the baby food yeah yeah the baby yeah. food well he's done a lot for us yes yes he has so that was the he created the Society for Human Rights and though it was shut down pretty quickly it was the first one that was had LGBT references. It was foundational. Yeah, 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 it definitely was. I mean, we all got to start somewhere, even if it's... Wait. What's up? Curb. Hold on, keep talking. I'm just going to look something up while you're saying okay. stuff. Okay. And also in the 20s, I wanted to mention, because I think it's absolutely delightful, the blues singer Ma Rainey was mm. arrested in her house in Harlem for having a lesbian party. Okay. What kind of party are we talking about here? A lesbian one. A lesbian one, so, like, anything's possible. I assume some sort of orgy. I hope so. Just to, like, actually solidify a lesbian. You know what? What if, like, the cops, like, strolled in and they were just fucking watching, like, a movie party? Or, like, they were just playing some... Like, sleepover, but extra? Yeah. Like, what if that... And they just, like... (laughs) What if it was, like, a birthday party, but for lesbians? Like, a birthday, and they were, like, opening presents and stuff, and they're like, (gasps) you're under arrest. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, man. Though, honestly, though, I mean, with the history of completely ignoring lesbian acts as what they are, like, even in the past, the crime of two women being together was referred to, like, like it was Voldemort, like, the crime that shall not be named. Because if you name it, then it spreads. Yeah, but, like, they legitimately called it the crime that shall be not named. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I heard that in... Yeah. Okay, cool. Just want to make sure. We are I heard that over in the History is Gay podcast, which I've been listening to and absolutely delighting in because nice. it is great. Oh, that's so cool. But yeah, so with the uh, pure amount of lesbian erasure, I'm assuming, or like ignoring the fact that lesbian stuff, I'm assuming the lesbian party was some sort of like orgy. <laughs> Like something they couldn't be couldn't ignore. Well, I hope they had a good fucking time before they got cracked down. Damn right. And you know what? That um that blue singer was bailed out by her prodigy, mm-hmm. Bessie Smith. So either they were best friends or they were gal pals. <laughs> they're just really they're just really close. They're just they're really 
They just really, just they got each other. They really, they friends. understood each other like on like an intimate BFFs. level. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye. Not to listeners. We just have some nice friends who are heading out. And I looked up, um, his, what was his name? Gerber. So the person who made the rainbow flag, his name was Gilbert Baker. And if you combine Gilbert and Baker, you get Gerber. So that's why that tripped me up for a second. <laughs> All right. Kind of a jump in logic, but you know what? I'm Sometimes exhausted. Sometimes we need those. I am on two hours of sleep. That's, oh, babe. Babe, no. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm a little concerned. The tournament will be over after next week, and then I'll be free. Okay. Because there's no more tournaments. So okay, next okay. one. Okay. okay. What's our next um, history moment? Okay, so, like, the 1950s had two things that I wanted to mention. And the okay. first thing was it had its first lasting gay organization, the Machine Society. I'm mispronouncing it. Machine? I don't or, know. Oh, that's the... The Machine? It's, like, it's wild. It's a wild spelling. But um, it was formed in Los Angeles, and it was refer- and they referred to themselves as, homophi- as a homophile group. Mm. So, I mean, I don't like that word. <laughs> it just makes me uncomfortable. But I still support them. Yeah. And then also in the 1950s, in 1952, we had Christine Jorgensen, which was the first American who comes forward publicly about being transgender. Mm. So, fuck yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so the first person that came forward, just like as a public figure or what kind of, how they refer to themselves? I think it was, they spoke openly about their experience, her experience, excuse me. She spoke openly about her experience with gender confirmation surgery. And hormone replacement therapy mm-hmm. and her transition and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's a so lot. So she was the first, like, visible transgender person in media. That's great. Yeah. Props to her. That's brave as fuck. Ah, oh, God, isn't it? Um, so I want to make... It. <laughs> okay, so in 1969, we had the Stonewall Riots. Classic. Damn right, it's classic. That shot glass. Yeah. Smashed made of trans rights mm-hmm. yeah so yeah do you have, have any more background information on the stonewall riots i do not i think allison was the one who knows a lot yeah about i that think she particularly. was um i know it started at the stonewall inn in new york i think allison mentioned it was like protected by the mafia oh yeah that's right because the mafia i think that's something to do with like if they paid dues and the mafia would protect them because the police were super, like, anti-gay. Well, yeah. So they couldn't have any presence, and the mafia was involved. I'm pretty sure the, the Stonewall Inn also had some... Um, I What I've heard is that it was also, um, like, a working bathhouse kind of situation. That was a really popular way, and still is kind of popular, but the 80s stomped out a lot of that. But bathhouses for... Um, uh, gay and queer and bisexual men was like a really big yeah. thing for uh, meeting and eating booty and getting to know a good friend <laughs> and get them gal pals together and you know just friends slap yes but yeah the stonewall riots super pivotal point for lgbt rights definitely something the worth the google actually i do have a bit that we can read here that allison sent me and there's a lot in here about the Stonewall um, riots and the okay. Stonewall Inn. Would you like to read them? Yep, I'll read it. Okay. <coughs> so this is by our vice president, Allison. It's about Marsha P. Johnson. A little short bio on her. 
Marsha P. Johnson is a beloved black transgender woman who is at the forefront of the LGBT movement from its start. From an early age, Marsha was interested in women's clothing. She would dress in drag to the... Allison, stop putting French words in things. Her Christian, her Christian parents didn't like it. After she graduated high school, Marsha moved to Greenwich Village in New York City. At times, she was homeless and was a sex worker in order to make ends meet. Marsha made all the outfits she wore, buying her dresses from thrift stores and styling them in show drag fashion. Among the nightlife of Christopher Street is where Marsha shined the brightest. For a while, she was a part of a drag group called Hot Peaches. Oh. That would go to different clubs doing shows. Marsha, above everything else, was known for her boldness. She was constantly wearing flower crowns that she would make herself, and when questioned about her gender, she would remark that the P in her name stood for pay it no mind. Once she said this to a judge who was so amused by her attitude, he released her. Oh, hell yeah. Marsha was also one of the first drag queens to go to the Stonewall Inn. Before the bar had only been for gay men run by the mafia. There we go. In the 1960s, it was common to be arrested for being gay, so the mafia created a, a space for gay men and soon after queer people in general to gather. However, in 1969, a group of police officers did raid the bar. The reports of Marsha's involvement with the Stonewall riots is varied. Some sources say she threw a shot glass at a mirror shortly after the police came in. Others say it was a brick she threw. Marsha herself was recorded saying that she didn't participate until the next day. It is confirmed that she was a part of the Christopher Street Liberation Pride Rally that was led the next year and in 1970. She also led a staged led a staged sit-in protest at Weinstein Hall at New York University. After that, she formed Star with her close friend Sylvia Rivera. In 1972, Sylvia and Marcia founded the Star House, a shelter for LGBT kids. The rent was paid for by the women's sex work. Marcia was the drag mother of the house, meaning she provided clothing, food, and emotional support to the kids that she housed. The next year, both women were banned from participating in the gay pride parades because people believed that having drag queens present Having drag queens present would give the moment, movement a bad name. Despite this, Marsha continued her activism into the 1980s with the organization ACT UP, which included the efforts to put up a memorial for Stonewall on Christopher Street. Around this time, she was also photographed by Andy Warhol for a series he did entitled Ladies and Gentlemen. In 1992, Marsha was found in the river near Christopher Street. Her body was pulled onto the pier and a memorial was left where her body had been. People protested in the streets after police labeled her death a suicide and refused to investigate it further. However, no further officially official investigation was until 2012. To date, no murderer has been found. Yeah, I've read, rough. I've read a lot on that and there's a lot of really compelling information that shows that it was likely police violence for as the reason that she died. That's rough. Yeah, not surprising, but. As not surprising as it is, it's still extremely disappointing. Yeah, but she left a really good legacy. Damn right she did. Damn right. Have any more info for us for LGBT history here? Well, I did want to make it up to at least the early 2000s. Okay. So, <coughs> we're in the 1970s now. Okay. <laughs> so, in the 1970s, there's two things that I would like to mention. And that's the, was that homosexuality was removed from the psychiatric disorders list by a vote for, of 13 to 0, which is, it's something. It's nice. A little bit. Yeah. Though, the, it still has asexuality as a disorder, though. Yeah. Which we're going to talk about a little bit more later, but it's like hypoactive sexuality disorder or something, so. 
Yeah. We're still in it. So there's a lot more work we need to do. There is. All right. And then also that uh, Harvey Milk became the first openly gay person to, to be elected to a public office in California. Yep. Unfortunately, so. he was shortly assassinated after. But, oh, did, did you? Oh, no. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Rest in peace. So, in 1980, it was reported that in 1980, it was reported that 800 people were infected with what was then called GRID and was eventually changed to the AIDS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> GRID the stands AIDS. for gay-related um, immune disease or gay-related immune. I oh, was disorder. I'm pretty sure. I've heard disorder, disease, deficiency. Who's to say? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we know because it was originally published by um, CDC. Thank you. <coughs> yeah, yeah. It, no, it was first mentioned, that's right, the New York Times, May 11th, 1982. Um, gay related immune deficiency. Yeah. Okay. And then in 1987, ACT UP happened. And that was a direct action activist group that was found, uh, funded in the LGBT Community Center in New York City to bring attention to the AIDS-related issues using civil disobedience. Yeah, ACT UP was really powerful in getting legislation and notice by the federal government and also local governments to start enabling research for finding cures for HIV and AIDS. Hell yeah. Yeah, which is something Hell that yeah. is still in the process and doesn't help that the entire advisory council has been fired by the Trump administration. But, you know. No, that doesn't help. <laughs> oh, wait. Who is, who is the famous artist? Um, I should know this. Yeah, Keith Haring. Keith Haring. That was the um, famous artist during the 80s, during the big AIDS movement. Um, Keith Harris created a lot of the posters for ACT UP, um, was really involved in the artistic movement. I'm pr yeah, let me show you, Keith Haring, um, just some of his work. You'll recognize it almost immediately, I'm certain. Wikipedia. For those of you listening, look it up. <laughs> yeah, no. Wiki Give it a quick Google. Wikipedia has selected the worst images for it, so I'm just going to do... How am I not surprised? Keith Haring art. So this probably looks really familiar. It's so cute. Have you seen the style before? I don't think I have. It might just be familiar to me because... Um, it kind of looks like the AOL, like... Kinda they looks stole like the, it. It looks like the AOL icon. It kind of does, yeah. Yeah, like AOL instant messaging and stuff. Dial-up internet. <laughs> Who are like you, that. Sydney? I am but a f humble gremlin. It's probably more familiar to me just because, like, I am, like, a cisgender gay man. So, like, we see a lot of that iconography within our spaces because he was just a really uh. big figure for a lot of us. Because um, as a gay man himself, he really inspired a lot of people. Good on him, then. Yeah. Yeah, they do look very similar. Okay, so... In 1997, Ellen DeGeneres came out 
through her little TV show. That was a big moment. It was. I remember I did watch like a documentary or a hosted show by her talking about what that was like for her. Yeah. Yeah. I have I have a fair amount of respect for her. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for her. Yeah, she's gone through a lot. Yeah, she has, and a lot of it's bullshit. And I just like I uh, she talked about how at one point she had been told that when she was trying to get a show again after her show was canceled for her coming out that she that no one would want to see a lesbian during the daytime. Just the nighttime. Yeah, and I think that's <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. But it's it was rough and she's kind of she's definitely paved a lot of way for just the LGBT people being visible. Yeah. And I really appreciate her for that. Like a lot. So yeah, that happened in 1997. <laughs> Yeah, 1997. And then... Okay. I can't remember if that was in 2003. So in 2003... Don't ask, don't tell. Or, oh, no, the, the repeal of the sodomy laws. Yep, yeah. that's right. So in 2003, we've got the U.S. Supreme Court overturn sodomy laws. Sort of. Shit. Sort of. Sort of. There's still anti-sodomy laws in Idaho and many other states in the country. They just can't enforce it on its own grounds. So they can't be like, oh, we're arresting you for sodomy. But if you're in court and you're having a hearing and there's a jury present, it is within the rights of a prosecuting attorney to mention that part of why you were arrested was because you were involved in sodomy. And that can influence jurors, that can influence a judge, and people do tend to get longer sentences when sodomy is part of the charges. But you can't that solely charge for, bullshit. and you can't say like, oh, they're getting more years because of sodomy. But you tend to see a lot of um, people, especially um, uh, queer men, who get arrested, and the sodomy aspect is present, and they, for some reason, are serving longer terms than, longer sentences than their heterosexual counterparts. That is such bullshit. Yeah. I'm just going to say that's absolute garbage. Yeah. But it was a really big step because, you know, before that, you could just be charged with sodomy. And that trips me up because that's within my lifetime. And I just... Yeah, I was eight years old. Fuck, man. That's messed up. Yeah. That's really not cool. But, like, a year later, Massachusetts became the first U.S. state to legalize legally recognize same-sex marriage and if that ain't some progression that's so fast that was like that's like an exponential rate so i dig yeah i dig that the only time i like states rights (laughs) yeah pretty much (laughs) okay and then in 2006 we had kim koko iwamoto yeah okay so kim koko iwamoto Iwamoto. yeah i I swear i can speak people (sighs) but words are hard she became the first um Openly transgender person to be elected to a state level office in the U.S. And so what year was that? In 2006. That's incredible. Yeah. Goddamn. Yeah. So we have a lot happening in just the last couple of years. Yeah. All right. Then in. Yeah. So the Matthew Shepard Act expanded protections um, to victims for their perceived gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, or disability. 
and it was the first law to extend legal protections to transgender persons, and it's specifically for um, charges of federal hate crimes. Okay, and that was in 2009? Yeah. All right. Like he signed on to that, that yes. bill. All right, and then in 2011, we have the Don't Ask, Don't Tell officially ending. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, before a lot of stuff happening in yeah. the 2000s. Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know what Don't Ask, Don't Tell is, <coughs> it's essentially a policy that was enforced in the military that said you can be gay from the military, but you just can't tell anyone, and you can't ask anyone, and you can't know. So essentially, it was the stance that like the LDS church had on being gay prior to their tolerance policy, where it was, you can be in the church, just don't ever talk about it. Um, and it's still kind of similar because you can be gay in the LDS church, but you can't have any sort of relations with anyone. So it's like, you can be celibate. And that's kind of how that works. But it was finally repealed, which was really incredible. Still waiting on that after our trans military ban. So getting there. Yikes. Okay. And then finally, we had... 2015. 2015. The famous year. The famous year. The year when I posted memes of Obama on a unicorn. <laughs> I just remember that year of like running up to my friends like, it's done, it's finally legal. <laughs> and all of us being like, yes! Even though none of us really realized we were queer. Because we were all 15 and hadn't quite realized yet. Oh, we were like, I knew. I knew. I remember like looking at the, the news and it was like... I was at Roaring Springs that day, so <laughs> I was at the water park, and I was looking at my phone just to be able to put it down, and it was like, the news is like, oh, gay marriage is legalized, and I was just like, hell yeah, because at that point, I knew I was like some sort of queer, but, You yeah. knew this could be advantageous for you? Yes. <laughs> I was 15, though, so I was baby. Yeah, you were a baby. I was also 15, but I had always just been like... A strong ally. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, my God, yes. Well, I think the most powerful impact of the um, same-sex marriage legislation is that it legitimized people. So you could, like, be with a group of people who are typically ignorant or bigoted, but they're very law-abiding. And you can throw this at them and be like, oh, well, this is the law. The law says that I'm real and my partner's real and our ability to have protections is real. And we, we get this. And I don't even know if I'll ever get married because, like, the older I get, the less appealing the institution of marriage seems. But it's really important on legitimizing it to a populace of people in our country who, at the time, I mean, when it was voted on, it was, like, 50-something percent in favor, um, which, you know, is a majority, but that's not very much. And you can be certain that a lot of conservative groups now, when they talk about gay people, they always say, oh, well, not always, but on the surface, they typically say, oh, well, we're not racist and we're not homophobic. We like gay people and we like people of color, those kinds of things. And we're getting to the nitty gritties. Things tend to get a little bit more complicated. But True. it now forces people to socially conform to accepting gay people at a certain level. Which is necessary, really. It's important. It's, it is important. It's the social aspect of it. And I really hope that... Once we get more legislation for trans people, we see the same kind of language being pushed through these spaces where people are forced to read about these things and they learn about them. And then once they learn, they're like, oh, my God, I was kind of wrong the whole time. 
Yes. And they need that push because, you know, unfortunately, shame works. <clears throat> I mean, do what you have to. Yeah. Um, so what's up next? Um. I guess that's all the good history. Things probably don't get very good from there. Because we're getting to post-2016. That's really all I have. Yeah, just like small celebrity stuff, things like that. Or yeah, for the most part, just because. Yeah, let's do that. So where are we at today? So today, <coughs> though we have some states that have um, anti-discrimination laws for LGBT, a lot of them don't. Mm-hmm, yeah. I know that 28 states have nothing. Yeah. 28 states have zero stuff. To be helpful. Thank goodness, at all. Idaho's not one of them. It is. <laughs> Idaho has nothing. Though I will amend that there are cities that have added or- um, ordinances. Ordinances, yes, that kind of stuff. And, and I think a really good call out right now to the um, Add the Words movement, the Add the Words Foundation, Add the Words for Idaho. Hell yes. They are a nonprofit group that has been working to lobby and get legislation through to protect people actually I, I would say they're one of the foundational reasons as to why we even have ordinances in places like boise but we have boise now we have uh, i know meridian Nam- isn't nampa one too now Didn't i'm nampa not sure passed? on nampa but i know that coeur d'alene is one as well coeur d'alene. oh wow that's didn't expect that yeah interesting um, right coeur d'alene also isn't uh moscow um and yes there is a moscow in idaho <laughs> isn't there one everywhere is that not... Isn't there one everywhere, though? I, I think... Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, here. I have it pulled up. Okay. Yeah. Moscow. Yes. Perfect. So the city... These all list off a couple cities that have a anti-discrimination law based for voices of sexual orientation and gender identity. We have Boise, Coeur d'Alene, Driggs, Idaho Falls, Ketchum, Lewiston, Moscow, Meridian, Pocatello, Sandpoint, and Victor. That is a lot more than when I last checked, like, last year. That's, well, like, yeah, four times progress. more. Yeah. Yeah, and then we also have, um, we also, uh, the city of Twin Falls has an ordinance pr- uh, prohibiting discrimination based on sexual orientation only, because apparently trans people don't exist there. But you know what? They're doing a little bit of something. Yeah. It's, unfortunately, slow. Yes. Um, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, and right now, we're actually waiting to hear back about a Supreme Court ruling for federal protections on the basis of gender identity and sexual orientation. Um, so, yeah, maybe in the future, we'll have an actual result from that. But as of now, we all have our fingers crossed. I honestly don't know which way it would go. I think there's a good chance it could be thrown out. And there's also a good chance that it will be successful. All right. No, you're okay. It's that, a cute dog. That dog is really cute. I will admit. Every time the dog walks by, I'm just like, oh, baby. That dog's also at my Nampa campus, so I get to see it more often. That dog has a job. The dog doesn't have a job, but I've been able to pet it. I'm too afraid to ask. I don't want to ruin their concentration. We had an opportunity. <coughs> okay. Um, I do have the states pulled up for the um, which ones have the laws for discrimination and which ones don't. Okay. I, uh, yeah. So... 28, 28 states do not have any kind of anti-discrimination protections. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly want admit, to like, name them off, but Idaho is one of the 28 that doesn't have anything. Yeah. And then we have 
in Wisconsin, there isn't any sort of protections for trans or gender non-conforming people. Mm. So they do, however, have non-discrimination laws for um, sexuality. Okay, and then in Utah, there's protections for both gender identity and sexual orientation in both housing and jobs, which is important, but there is nothing for public accommodations. Mm. So still kind of an iffy thing. And I think the good thing is the more and more this happens, the easier it will be to pass like federal legislation because you just need like majority to pass those kinds of things yes. so you just have to get citizens on board so it's like every conversation you have every time we talk to someone and you get them to think a little bit more about these issues it does help yeah and we do have we do have 20 states that have full anti-discrimination laws Fantastic. so yeah that's pretty great and we have the benefit of living pretty close to them yeah yeah but that pretty much concludes my little history Nonsense. <laughs> Little history convo. LGBT yeah. history. Well, LGBT history. All right. Well, and now we will move on to the second part. Yeah, that will conclude the first part of our show here. Um, when we come back, we're going to be speaking with our second guest here today, uh, Riley. Uh, so, see you all then. Hi, welcome back to the Queers. And <laughs> 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 Hi. Like a short Hi, welcome back to the Queers and Allies podcast here at College of Western Idaho. Again, this is William Young, president of Queers and Allies. And now we have Riley today talking about asexuality. So Riley, can you give us a little introduction? Yeah, um, so I'm ace myself, so hello. Um, So Asexuality Awareness Week was last week um, because we don't, we're not very much like seen either in the LGBT community or out of it, we're very much marginalized mm-hmm. and invisible, kind of. So I wanted to bring some stuff to the light so people can learn some stuff. Let's. Um, I was going to start off with some terms because I'm going to be using them sometimes throughout when I'm talking. Um, so first of all, we have ace, which is just like a shortened version of asexual. So if someone goes, I'm ace, that just means they're asexual. It's like a homosexual person saying they're gay. It's just a shorter version of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> Can it also be like an umbrella for other things based on the context? Yeah, um, it is. Um, asexuality is like the main thing, but there's some subsexualities that are with it. Like, there's three main ones that people usually know about, which is asexuality, which is the absence of sexual attraction to anything or any gender. Um, And then you have gray sexual, which is rarely experiencing it, but you experience it from time to time. I know one of our group members said they were gray. Um, Yes, um, I actually have a little piece by them that they emailed me that I can read. Yeah, okay, we can do that. Um, Just let me know when you're ready. uh, Yeah, but first... I'm going to mention the third one. And the third one is demisexual, mm-hmm. which is not experiencing sexual attraction until you form a close emotional bond with uh, someone. And some people may argue that, like, n- that's normal. Like, normal people are demi. But, like, when normal people 
may not choose to act on sexual attraction before they have an emotional bond. Demisexual people don't have the attraction mm-hmm. at all until they have the bond, which is the difference. It sounds almost like there's a level of erasure in the same way that bisexual people experience erasure. Yeah, definitely. Do you think that's a comparable... Well, I guess you just said, yeah, definitely. So yeah, <laughs> like a lot of people I've seen are like asexual people that are heteroromantic or aromantic people that are heterosexual don't belong in the community mm. because they can have straight passing relationships, which oh, yeah. was an argument, I think, against bi people of time ago. So Yeah, classic yeah. anti-bi pride thing. Yeah. Yeah. You can read the piece now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <coughs> Let me pull it up here. Uh, wake up, mouse. So this is by um, our member Ashton. And they just sent me a little script for our podcast today. They wanted to share a little bit of their experience with asexuality. But unfortunately, they couldn't meet up and they're recording themselves. So, oh, I guess they're thanking whoever reads this. So they thanked me. Oh, my God. (laughs) (coughs) So Ashton identifies as graysexual, which to them means feeling only a little bit of attraction to another person sometimes. Now I'm going to read it in uh, first person. For a long time, I didn't even know I wasn't attracted to anyone like people around me always talked about until I felt it for myself. Sophomore year of high school. It was homecoming week and everyone was let out of school early. Me and a friend decided to go hang out in the park across the street since it was such a nice day and we had to wait for the buses anyway. The buses ran at normal time, so we had about two hours to kill. With it being the tail end of summer, she got pretty warm and decided to pour some water from her water bottle on the back of her neck and hair. It's when she flipped her hair back over that is when my heart began to race oh at the time i had no clue what i was feeling i mistook it as the beginning of a panic attack big mood gay panic this is really (laughs) i'm melting i told her i needed a minute um to myself and walked over to a bench to sit down and relax it would be literal months before i figured out what i was feeling was sexual attraction to another person And years before, I had enough experience with any attraction at all to know how to identify. After three years, it's easier for me to know the difference between panic and attraction, but I still get it wrong sometimes. I hope my little story makes some of you laugh because it makes me laugh thinking back on it. Can't wait to hear how it goes Wednesday when we meet up. Have a good weekend. That was so beautiful. That is just like gay panic. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. It's so cute. Yeah. I could also, like, set it through a perspective of, like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people who are raised as women just don't know how to identify attractions that are typically towards other people who identify as women. It's very, very... Because, I mean, society already tells you that it's not real. Yeah, I kind of agree with this, like, ignorance of women being attracted to women. Because, like, I'm pansexual, and growing up, I never really even thought of women as being a possible option to be attracted Mm -hmm. to them. And like, it's not that I wasn't because I definitely was. I had a huge crush on a chick when I was a kid and it was ridiculous. I couldn't identify it Mm. because I didn't even have the concept that it could be an option. Yeah. It was always like men and women are the ultimate goal of a relationship. Mm, And it wasn't until I was like, I want to say maybe 10 or 11 when I saw my friend, my sister had like, 
her gay friend come over and his boyfriend picked him up and they kissed in front of me. And my sister was mad because my mom hadn't wanted them to do that. But I was just sitting there like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This makes so much sense. (laughs) This is a full on moment. Gay awakening. (laughs) (laughs) It was was totally a gay awakening and it was ridiculous, but also great. (laughs) So, Riley, do we have um, any more things to talk about in the less sexual realm? Yeah, um, I was going to continue with the lesser known as sub, sub orientations. There we go. Good. Um, so there's also ones that are lesser known than the main three, but they're still pretty valid. Um, there is free sexual, which is the opposite of Demi, mm-hmm. which is where you experience sexual attraction, but once you have a connection with someone, it goes away. Mm. So that's that's a thing. Um kind of like asexual because nobody really acts on it yeah um after a while um Hmm. there's lithosexual which is experiencing attraction but never wanting it to be reciprocated so Hmm. you just like be like i just want to admire from afar i don't want anyone to touch me like leave me alone yeah (laughs) um there's ace flux which is when someone it's kind of like how gender fluid is with the gender fluid spectrum with the gender spectrum it's like they go in between like Demi and Gray. Sometimes it's like they're still on the A spectrum, but they kind of, they're kind of fluid with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's, core. It's something with the Q. Curiosexual, I think, is how you pronounce it. Quirio? I don't know. Something like that. And it's someone who is unsure of the difference between like sexual and platonic or sexual and romantic attraction. So they're like, I don't know the difference. So I'm just going to identify by this. We've got so many brain so. chemicals. It's like yeah. sometimes you just don't have like the receipts. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> and uh, further on, um, I wanted to talk about how asexuals have um, attitudes towards sex. Mm-hmm. Because while orientation doesn't change, attitudes fluctuate throughout a person's life. Yeah. Um, there's three that are mainly known there's sex positive or sex favorable which is like asexuals that like having sex despite not having attraction they just mm-hmm. like to do it for like i don't know you're bored you know yeah. <laughs> you have something to do <laughs> just because i watched the entire titty gambling anime doesn't mean i particularly enjoyed it but yeah. it was there and i consumed it yeah it's just like oh my partner wants to do this okay like i'm not one of those right now but like attitudes can fluctuate i have a friend who identifies that way yeah um there's also sex indifferent which is just like you ask them about sex and they just shrug emoji they're just like i don't care (laughs) (laughs) and then there's a sex averse or sex repulsed Mm -hmm. it just depends on what they want to call it because when you say you're repulsed by something people might be like that's rude (laughs) Yeah. So, um, that's when people who are like uncomfortable with the idea of sex, um, and mostly it's just like towards themselves. If they're yeah. like, they're like sex positive to everyone else. They're like, you do you, but like me, go away. <laughs> so, that's that's a valid opinion. Um, and some people identify as ipothesexual, which is just being sex repulsed and. If they don't want to say they're sex repulsed, they can be like, I'm a pothsexual. Hmm. So that people don't go, that's rude. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and then I wanted to talk about um, different types of attractions because what I saw with the um, story that you read, I was like, I felt that way before, but I was like, wait, I know I don't experience sexual attraction, but that person's really cute, but it's not sexual. And I was like confused and people were like, there's a difference. And I was just like, mind blown. (laughs) Yeah, so... Um, while some people that are asexual may also be aromantic, they can also be all kinds of different, like, romantic attractions, which mm-hmm. are homoromantic, hetero, bi, pan, <coughs> basically whatever sexuality there is, there's a romantic attraction that's equal to it. Yeah. Um, sexual attraction, basically, is people who you want to have sex with or do sexual acts with. That's just too confusing for it. me. We just have to drop that one. That's just it. I don't understand. (laughs) Because I'm ace. But you know what? You are all valid. Oh, thank Um, you. And then romantic attraction is like wanting to be in a romantic relationship, like bring them flowers, maybe have kids someday or move in with them or grow old with them, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. (coughs) Um, And for some allosexual people, which is allosexual is just the opposite of asexual. That's what ace people call sexual people as allosexual. Yeah. Um, they usually are like, oh, sexual and romantic attraction go together. But for many ace people, they're different. They're separated. For me, I'm bi, romantic, and asexual. So they're separate things for me. Gotcha. Um, and then we have sensual attraction, which is like my favorite one to talk about. Because it's like wanting to touch someone in a non-sexual way. Like, I really want to hug you. I really want to <laughs> cuddle you. I want to hold your hand. But, like, not sec- <laughs> not in a sexual way, not in a romantic way. I just, like, I want to hug you. Good. Well, it feels like the ace community is expanding on, like, a lot of language and ideas that yeah. are very beneficial and commonplace for a lot of people. Yeah, not just ace people, but, like, a bunch of people. Are yeah, like because, again, asexuality is a spectrum. And I feel like the more we give weight to the things that the ace community says and the more we represent them and uplift them, the more we're going to benefit, like our entire society i also see like a lot of really really good education coming from consent specifically from an ace perspective yeah definitely um and then i wanted to say that i was going to yeah so sensual attraction is also based on like the senses so Mm -hmm. most of the time it is touch but it can also be like i want to be around you because your perfume smells really good or something (laughs) like okay um and yeah a lot of the time sensual attraction is connected to romance for people who are considered you know normal Mm -hmm. in society Uh, but it doesn't have to be you can be like you know what after a really tired day i just want to cuddle with my best friend yeah or like i think i think there's a lot of people also who probably have sensual attraction to like family members or even pets yeah like i want to cuddle my pet when i get home it's just really "Mm -hmm." comforting and I, I can especially relate to the smell aspect because when I have, like, my dog's scent on me and we're just, like, lying on the floor, I'm like, this is all I need. This is perfect. Oh, now I miss Max. <laughs> and then I wanted to talk about aesthetic attraction. Okay. Which is looking at someone. I was literally about and to bring that up. being romantically or sexually attracted to them. Just looking at them and going, you look really nice. Like, if you see someone that has, like, really cool dyed hair and you're like, nice. 
It's like looking at a painting. You don't want to fuck the painting. You don't want to kiss the painting. You just look at it and go, nice, I appreciate that. Real talk, that's how I felt about Sydney all day. Mood. I don't know why. <laughs> Sydney's just given these really good <laughs> aesthetic vibes. Thank you. You're welcome. I was waiting for it because I was like, I need to say this at some point. That's <laughs> a big mood. <laughs> I agree. Hell yeah. Compliment Sid hours. <laughs> <laughs> I love compliments. This is the validity podcast. Have you seen their haircut? It's iconic. It's great. <laughs> I have seen the back. I look at the back of your head when you're walking. I'm like, I have to experience this whole look. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Okay. And then I have two more Mm. types of attractions I wanted to talk about. And those are platonic attractions, which is looking at someone and going, I really, 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 really want to be their friend. Like, (gasps) oh, shit. I've had that. Oh, my God. If you look at someone that and you're like, this person seems like the coolest person I've ever seen. I really want to be their friend and hang out with them. Is is there a word for having an attraction and then also being afraid that they'll perceive it as sexual attraction? Um, I don't think I've seen anything of that. Because, like, <laughs> I feel that a lot of the times, um, one, because straight men are fucking terrified of everything. Everything. So no one's just going to be your friend. But also, um, before I talk, as soon as I start talking, it's like, oh, this queer just sort of strolled on in. But before I start talking, there's a lot of times where, like, I want to communicate with, like, someone who is female presenting. And I'm really worried that they're going to be like, oh, this guy. And I'm just like, shit, I don't like any of this. Yeah, definitely. I would Sorry, I keep talking later. about myself. Um, I don't know anything about that. Do you have something? I have the same thing, but with straight men. Yeah. Every time I interact with a straight man, I'm just like, okay, it's time to put on the butch lesbian vibes and just go and steamroll through it. I feel like I'm a performer sometimes. God, don't you? Like, the gayer I am, the safer I am until they hit me. Oh, okay, next. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, definitely. (laughs) That's a mood. Transitioning. Honestly. Um, so I was going to talk about what a friend crush is called, because when you really want to be someone's friend, but you're like nervous around them. What? It's oh, you said squish. friend. I thought you said French yes. crush. I was like, French? <laughs> <laughs> is this a baked good? Wee oui, wee oui, mon ami. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I learned that from Hamilton. <laughs> That's it. Anyway, yeah, it's when you, like, really want to be someone's friend and you get nervous around them and you're like, I, you really care what they think of you because you really want to be their friend. And you're just like, uh, and you're like, this isn't a crush, but it feels like it, but it's platonic and not romantic. That's a squish. A squish? It's called a squish. Because you, like, hug and squish? Is that, or? Okay, yeah, you know oh. how, you know how crush Ooh. is, like, a synonym for, like, being crushed. Crush, squish. It's like a softer version of a crush. Oh my god. That is that's clever. Yeah, it's really cute. I love that shit. Oh my god. And then finally we have alterist attraction, which is being in between mm-hmm. or a mix of platonic and romantic attraction. So you're like, I don't know. I want to be close to this person, but I'm not sure if it's romantic or platonic. I just know I like them. So like the agnostics of the ace community. <laughs> yeah. Just like not quite certain, but there's something. Yeah, and a lot of people who are like in queer platonic relationships have these attractions. 
If not platonic, it's usually alterous. Hmm. So, um, going on to explain queer and platonic relationships, both ace and arrow people, or ace and allo people, actually, can be a romantic and queer platonic relationships, if they would choose. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone knows what a romantic relationship is, I presume, unless you've been living under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen a movie? <laughs> oh my god, I hate those. <laughs> They're so heteronormative. <laughs> um, but not many people know what queer platonic relationships are or queer QPRs are. Um, mm-hmm. And they are um, purely platonic or alterous uh, relationships between two people. Um, they can get married, buy a house, share taxes, adopt children together, but don't necessarily feel romantic attraction to one another. So it's like purely platonic mm-hmm. or alterous. I have a QPP that I've been with for three years, and he's great. Yeah. I mean, he's a gay trans man, but like, he's like, I'll be QPPs with you. I love you. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, he lives in Canada, but I love him. Okay. There's <laughs> something about being able to socialize well with Canadians. Yeah. I'm just going to throw that out there. Every time I talk to a Canadian, it's been a really good experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> most people argue that, like, oh, QPP is just being a best friend. And it's, like, it's not because, like, there's such a thing as, like, doing sensual things that people might not do with their best friend. And they kiss platonically and they adopt children together and they buy a house together. There's a lot of You're stuff You're literally that is living in intense. the year, like, 3037. Yeah. It's just, like... To people that don't know about the people, it would be seen as romantic from an outside lens. But it's just, Mm -hmm. they do romantic things, usually. But it's based on platonic attraction. And, um, I'm gonna end with myths. Myths that I want to bust about asexuality. Because, yes, we are mythbusters. Iconic. Um, (laughs) so... The one that I hear, I have two that I hear the most, and they're uh, they are men slash males can't be ace because we live in a world where they're like mm. men are hypersexual and only care about sex and nothing else, and men think about sex every six minutes. I hated that. Okay, like big mood. Yeah. In both aspects of being told I'm really sexual and also being really sexual. Yeah. But yeah, that's but like that's a real shitter. People yeah. can be of any gender. Yeah. I mean, I'm non-binary and I'm ace. Like it isn't sexual orientation and gender identity or gender does not correlate. Yeah. Like, okay. And then <coughs> when people say that asexuality is just being celibate, mm. like, no, celibate is choosing not to do something despite right. having the attraction. And asexuality is just not having the attraction and not doing it because you don't have the attraction. And even then, some ace people aren't celibate because some of them are sex positive, like I discussed. I use, like, an analogy to help people understand it. Imagine sex as a donut. Okay, I see it. Celibate people would not eat it because they're on a diet. Mm. Asexual people just don't like donuts. There we go. And, yeah, that's all I have. Um, if you need uh, more information, there's AVEN, which is the online community for sec- asexual people. It's the Asexual Visibility and Education Network. 
it's a forum. People talk. There's a lot of topics. There's like how to deal with sexual partners. And that's Aven. A V E N. Yeah. Um, and there's like a bunch of stuff on there. It's like how to deal with sexual partners or what the different attractions are. That's where I got. That's where I learned about it first a couple of years ago. Was on Aven. So. That's awesome. That's a good education network. Is it network. like a self-advocacy so kind of network? or I'm not sure. I just know it's like the main place where ace people come together. So Does it have good memes? Sometimes. Okay. I think. Okay. It's like I re- reproduce asexually, and then it's a person just like beginning mitosis. <laughs> 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 it's like beginning mitosis. Mom? <gasps> Hello, son. Oh, uh. <laughs> Wow. So yeah. That slaps. Oh, you're a plant? Yes. I'm a Venus flytrap. I will eat you. <laughs> <laughs> so they're kind of funny. I like them. Yeah. That's, that's all awesome. I have. Thank you. That was really well structured. And I learned a lot. I'm always a big ding dong when it comes to getting outside my own um, understandings of sexual orientation and gender identity. So thank you a lot for that, Riley. You're welcome. Yeah. And I know that a lot of our listeners are going to love this because we have a huge ACE community here at College of Western Idaho. So. We do. I know like four people within our club and there's probably more considering someone wrote that. Yeah. But I know four people. And like when we when I first came here, there was three of us and we we're like, ACE Muska queers. Yes. And now we have even more. So good. So you do reproduce by budding. Perhaps. <gasps> we'll never tell you our oh. secret. <laughs> Beware. <laughs> the scariest Halloween costume of all. Asexual reproducing. <laughs> Wait, someone has to do like the SpongeBob outfit when SpongeBob reproduced by budding. You haven't seen that episode? That would be a killer, a killer look. You're just jealous. Oh, yeah, and also, you know what would be cute? We should all um, say what we are for Halloween or we dressed as for Halloween at some point, or what do we want to be for Halloween, but we're too poor to pull it off. <laughs> um, well, at school today, I was female Deku from My Hero Academia, but that wig is getting really heavy on me, so I don't know. Um, I might take my siblings out trick-or-treating or pretend to be 12 because I have such a baby face that even though I'm 19, I look like I'm uh, 13. You're a very portable so, human. Yes. So I might get in my... Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love hugs. I'm telling you, sensual attraction is my favorite. Hug me and I'll kill hugs you. Hugs are good. Aww. Look. Yes. Look at them hugging through your... Speakers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, when the technology becomes available, you will be able to see us hugging. You'll be able the to future. smell the hug. <gasps> <gasps> Next level. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay, I want to talk about my Halloween costume. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Cut that out then. <laughs> I wasn't finished and you took it from I was distracted by the hug. Anyway, it was getting too heavy for me, so I'm probably going to put on my white wig and become Azra for the Azra from the Arcana, if any of you know that, because non-binary character, we stand. A witch, also, we stand. So I'm probably going to be 
them slash him. I think I use him pronouns, but yeah, because my wig right now, I'm just dying in it. So wig. I'm a cosplayer, okay? No, I was saying when I No no, I was saying wig like wig. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> I'm just I'm a cosplayer, so I take cosplay series. Well it's not cosplay, I guess. It's just dressing up and I'm like I'm going all out. I'm putting all wig. I dress as light so. Yagami once. Iconic. I had I a bowl sit cut. like ill, so Icon no. Okay. Sydney is permitted to speak. My costume is ya boy, Guzma. Oh yeah, <laughs> you wore that to the the cool party we had. Yeah, yeah, that's the only costume I have. It's the only, it's only thing that I've ever put effort into. It's good. Though. And I busted it out in all of like maybe twenty five hours. That was in twenty five hours. Roughly, yeah. It looks like, wow. Damn right, I'm gonna be Guzma with pink hair. I don't have a wig. Wait, who's the person with pink hair in Team Skull? Um, her the name's. I feel like Guzma. You could be like the Guzma that like admired her, and then tried out a new style. There's two. So the female grunts of the Team Skull but you have, have like, pink hair. You have like the like darker, more vibrant pink hair that I think the other admin has. The yeah, yeah. Her name is. I could just look it up. Plumeria? No. Wait, that sounds right. Plumeria. Dude, my right. brain is like super slow today, so it was like did not compute, and I thought you said like Yzma from like the Emperor's. Wait, is it Yzma? Yzma? I would dress as her. She is a queen. Yes, it is Plumeria. <laughs> yeah, Plumeria. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I usually prefer dressing as masculine just because I don't know, I get really self-conscious in feminine things, and I don't like it. Same. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get it. We all mask Only lines. in drag, we beef him. <laughs> Even then, I don't like it. I mean, I like heels, but, yeah. I mean, like, the last time I wore a pair of heels, an old lady told me they were fuck-me shoes, so. Okay, boomer. That's gonna... <laughs> okay, boomer. She was older than that, but yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's some scarred for life shit. I was I just like, ha, 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 okay. And then my grandma was later like, you can't say that to my grandkid. Though she called me granddaughter, which is not what I am. But, you know, she did her best to pr- defend me. It was wild. It was a wild day. That is... Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> my costume, I didn't really have a costume because I'm lazy and I just taped a stick to a picture frame and I said I'm a masterpiece. I literally wore it for like a flat 10 seconds and then never picked it up again. But if I could ideally have any costume, oh my god. Um, I'd like to dress like a giant mecha. That would be cool as hell. hell yeah. Has anyone here seen Odeka 7? No. Okay. Well, my mecha stuff is There's like 100 billion animes, so like it's fine. But there's like this mecha called the Nirvaj, and it's like this giant robot that has some really good like non-binary mask vibes. And when, um, and I love it because I, this is probably just because like English dubs are terrible, but I like to pretend that because they go back and forth in pronouns for the Nirvaj, that they're like gender fluid. So. I love that. Yes. We'll just take the fact that it's what we want and what we need. 
but the Nirvaj is really cool and flies around like a flying like hoverboard and does like cool backflips and is also a robot. And I really like all of that. And if I could have that costume, it probably costs like $10,000, but I need it. You could make it. No. Cardboard and a hot glue gun. I can't even finish my online homework. I can't, no. Well, okay, when you're driven though, I mean, my costume probably cost me about... I don't want to put a number to it. Maybe 20 or 30 bucks. But that's because I had, like, I bought the clothes at a Goodwill. Excuse me. At a thrift store. Mm -hmm. And then I modified them with a sewing machine. I think I'm also really insecure to just, like, wear something that I'm proud of. I always, like, end up being like, ah, it's a joke. So now you can't make fun of me. I'm I'm a baby in that regard. One day. Yeah, I make a lot of my costumes out of, like, thrift store stuff. My first cosplay was Frisk from Undertale. And I just picked up a sweater and painted it. So, <laughs> yes. Did you have, like, the hair to, like, cover your eyes and stuff? or Well, not cover, but, like, the I bowl mean, cutty kind of long. Not really, but my hair was brown back then. So it's just, like, I'm frisk, but they cut their hair. I love how I, I never, I have no idea what any of your original hair colors are. Mine's blonde, unfortunately. I'm stupid. <gasps> not true. <laughs> I will deny that to the day I die. Regardless, I'm just going to press F because it's the respectful thing to do. True, true. My natural hair color is dark brown. Just press death. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you everyone for tuning into our podcast today. I think this is a really good one. Had a lot of fun, a lot of good conversation. Um, we have our meetings at College of Western Idaho every Tuesday and Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Um, at our Ada campus on Tuesdays, we have our meetings in room 1211. Please stop by. We get a lot of people there. In our Nampa campus, we do have meetings from 4 to 5. If you go to the Nampa campus, it's at the main building. I will be working there at the front desk, so you can come pester me. Um, but not for too long, because my supervisor might get a little upset. But... We are the Queers and Allies Club at College of Western Idaho. We have some events coming up. November 20th, we plan to do a Trans Day of Remembrance event. <clears throat> if you would like to be a part of that or you would like to attend, please email me at willyoung at my.cwi.edu. Or you can always just talk to anyone who's part of the club if you recognize their voice or you know any of us or we've got posters. We need to put more posters up, though. We really do. Um, but yeah, Trans Day of Remembrance, it's going to be a really big event. We're going to be involved with the art club and the ASA club. So please, please come attend. We will be serving lots of cider and tea and coffer. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, Yep, so we will be broadcasting again next month. We're going to have two more episodes next month for November. And we're also planning to have a little food gathering i don't really want to call it thanksgiving because canceled but we'll think of a really cute name maybe like the feast time i don't know feast time i was gonna say the big pile (laughs) i love that just like food coma family style oh my god maybe we'll have like posters with different names people are like i have no idea what this is but there's like 30 different descriptions for it. I have to find out. We have to do that now. That's Perfect. how we, we've got to do that. Like 30 different posters, 30 different names, all of them styled differently, all labeled at the same day and place. Perfect. Okay. Well, I'll have each of us sign out. So this is William Young, president of Queers and Allies. Riley, I'm just a member, but yes. 
and Sydney. I'm still also just a member. Our co- I think you're our official co-host at this point. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm not just a member. I am the host. Hell yeah. Promotion. Promotion. You experienced it here. Hope you feel the good vibes. And yep. Everyone have a nice Halloween. Or Samhain. Yes. Or just please, like... Have a nice day. Feel spoopy. Yes. Hell yeah. And now we're going to sign out. Okay. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye.